Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. On December 17, 1903, the Wright brothers successfully made their first flight in an airplane. Uh, the world never would have imagined that the technological advancement would get to that place until right around that time there began to just be this, this race to see who could create the first flying machine. And what's amazing about the Wright brothers is both of them dropped out of high school, had no formal education, uh, but had this desire and this passion to create uh, the first airplane. And so after years of trial and attempt and equations and revisions, on that day in December, they finally succeeded at their goal. One of the things that they had to wrestle with was the, the physics of creating a flying machine. Primarily these two competing forces. One is the, the gravitational pull that wants to keep things here on the other. And through the help of thrust, uh, and the, the innovation of these wings, there would be this, this force of lift. And this lift and the gravita gravitational pull were at odds with each other. And so they had to create an engine that weighed less. They finally made a, an engine made of aluminum that was only 200 pounds, which is 12 horsepower. Um, and they, everything they could, they would try and make the plane light. So anything that they could help against the gravitational pull. And finally, they're able to create enough thrust to create the lift to be greater than the gravitational pull. The reason I bring up that story and I'm standing here at this airport is Paul is exhorting this church in Colossae to make sure they know where they stand, what their reality is. And he uses this, this wording in the previous chapter, chapter two, verse 12, it says, when you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the work of God. And he talks about there's these two, uh, there's these two realities, but he talks about because of the reality of Christ, not only have you been buried with him, you've been raised with him. And that's how he begins chapter three. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is uh, the, the turning point of the letter that says you've been raised with Christ. And so to set your heart, to set your mind on things that are above. And what this is a call to, to the Colossians, is what they were setting their heart towards, what they were setting their mind on, oftentimes reflected more of the gravitational pull of the earth than the reality of the lift of the resurrection. Now, other than the opening hymn in verses 15 through 20, which talks about the, the preeminence of Christ. One of the interesting things about the letter to the Colossians is as it describes the resurrection, it describes the, the power of Christ. 
It describes it in the life of the church there. This is the effect of the resurrection. It's not describing just a history event. It's describing the current reality as a result of the historical event of the resurrection. Um, I, it's interesting this week as I was studying about the first flight and as I stand here at, a, at an airport and I look planes, it's, it's a completely different feeling and reality of when I'm in a plane. Um, it's one thing to study about them. It's one thing to learn about them. But there's nothing like feeling the force of your back hit the seat as it pulls up in off the ground and into space. Uh, there's nothing like the feeling of when you are in the air and you're looking out over mountains and deserts. There's something about being in that airplane that no matter how much you study, no matter how many videos you watch, you would never be able to capture that feeling. And I think Paul has this same this same exhortation for the church. Because one of the, the ideologies coming in was saying, listen, there's this heavenly realm, there's this earthly realm, you can get to this heavenly realm with these certain Gnostic practices. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You were already raised with Christ. Once you understand the resurrection wasn't just something you learned about or believed in, the resurrection marks your life. If you're watching this video, if you have given your life over to the, to the saving work of Christ, if you've let him take a hold of your heart, that means the resurrection isn't something you learn about on Easter. The resurrection is something that marks your life today. You are the people. We are the people of the resurrection. And this is what the, much of the book of the Colossians is talking about. You, Colossians, Light Church, followers of Jesus, live in a different way reality. You have been raised. You don't have the same gravitational pull sucking you down to earth. You have a different reality. And so Paul offers these three perspectives. Number one, that there has to be a resurrection posture of our hearts. Number two, there has to be a resurrection perspective in our minds. And thirdly, there has to be a resurrection passion in our life. In verse 1, it talks about, it says, the NIV translates this, set your hearts. The ESV uses the word seek. And the reason why the NIV translators use the term set your hearts instead of the word seek is because seek often implies this idea of possession. Like if you were to seek being raised with Christ, you somehow possessed that. And because of the the narrative arc of scripture, we know we don't possess the resurrection. We didn't earn it. You can't go seek and find it. Rather, it was something done to us, which is why I love how the NIV translates this. Rather than seek in such a way that you'll find and possess it, it's set your heart. And so when I talk about a posture, this is not something you possess. It's something that you orient your heart around. And so how does the reality that Jesus has raised from the dead change the posture of your heart? Well, it changes everything. It changes everything because death isn't the end anymore. Life is. That we serve and work and love and live from a place of the finished work of Jesus rather than trying to arrive at the finished work of Jesus. We set our hearts. It's, I find it interesting that that same Greek word for seek, zeteo, is the same word that Jesus used on the Sermon on the Mount when he says this, but seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. D.A. Carson says, we are not to strive for a heavenly status since that's already been freely given to us in Christ. Rather, we are to make that heavenly status the guidepost of all our thinking and acting. And by using the present tense, Paul indicates that believers should be constantly occupied in this striving for this orientation. I love this. We are to be constantly occupied, not striving towards a status, but towards an orientation, towards a posture, that we live as the people of the resurrection, that we live a new birth, a new life. We are a new humanity and we set our hearts towards that. Number two, we are to have a resurrection perspective. And the NIV, the, the way they said it is to set your hearts. And the next verse in verse two, verse two says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I love that command because what we have found out 2000 years later through psychology and research is what you think about, what you give your attention to, forms you. We become what we give our mind over to. And the biblical authors under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit call us to think about, don't think about things that are below, think about things that are above, don't think about the things that are seen, think about things that are unseen. There is a call to our mental state. There is a call to our thought life that should be marked by what? The resurrection. We've been raised with Christ. Don't think about things that are below, that are temporal, things like that. There is something that we are called to, the heavenly reality. Dallas Willard says this, if we allow everything access to our mind, we are simply asking to be kept in a state of mental turmoil or bondage, for nothing enters the mind without having an effect for good or for evil. I love that. We, there's this principle I was talking with my friend about called the exposure principle, meaning we don't get to choose what we're exposed to, but we do get to choose um, ways that we are exposed. So for instance, if I am allowing um, social media to take up hours of my day, Netflix to take up hours of my day, uh, your local news station to take up hours of your day, um, you, you can't control what you're exposed to, but you can control the vehicle in which you're being exposed to those things. I think it's, it's fascinating that we pay very little attention uh, to what we're allowing to enter into our minds. And yet we're grieved by the effects of what we've allowed to enter into our minds. Um, I was having another conversation with a friend and they, they pointed out that if you spend two hours on social media a day, which ends up being one twelfth of your day, by the end of the year, you will have spent one month on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. I mean, just, just think about the map. Two hours a day, one month of your year will be consumed by that vehicle, that outlet that's shaping and discipling your mind. Now, this isn't a sermon about content control. This is a sermon about intentionality with our thought life. This is what Paul is saying. You've been raised with Christ. You've, it's already happened to you. 
act, set your heart, but also set your mind. Think about the things that are, are pure and lovely. And this, is, this is what he says in Philippians 4. He says this, the Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. My, uh, my prayers as we've studied this text today, that we would be reminded not only of the gift that we have been invited into the inheritance of the resurrected Christ, but that we set our hearts, we set our minds on things that are pure and lovely and noble. Um, and that might look less like willpower and it might look more like practical, changing the vehicles in which you're receiving formation and information to make sure that it is the things that are godly and heavenly and pure and beautiful that begin to start shaping your reality. And lastly, I love this. We need to have a resurrection passion. It says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, I love this, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That line just stopped me as I was reading that this week. When Christ, who is your life, which I think begs the question, what's your life defined by? Is it defined by the resurrected Christ? Is your life defined by the eternal reality that is not only waiting for us, but present to us now? Is Christ your life? And then again, I think for every single one of us, uh, that answer is more of a process than, than a destination. Um, I, I, I want Christ to be my life, to be my passion, to be everything. But I know I'm on a journey, but I'm hoping that as I continue to yield to the Holy Spirit, be formed by the scriptures and by the community of God, that I will continue at the end of my life, more than at the beginning, I will say, Christ is my life. And I love this because all of this is happening in a context where there's a very famous story by the Greek philosopher Plato, it's called the cave. And the cave talks about how there's these two realities and the cave reality is, is temporal and it's insignificant, but there's this heavenly world above that is actually more real than the other. And so this is kind of where the Gnostics came up with this idea of like, oh, if you, there's some sort of secret path to access this heavenly reality. And Paul is just saying, you are already there. You are already the people of the resurrection. You already have access to the reality that Christ has given you. So set your hearts, set your minds. And if you set your heart and set your mind, what will happen? Christ will be your life. And that's where he, he, he exhorts that. And it reminds me, one of my, one of my favorite movies, uh, definitely not like an Oscar winner, but it's a movie I've enjoyed 
was a movie that came out in 2013 called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And it was an adaptation of James Thurber's uh, short story in 1947 and describes um, the movie, kind of follows the, the life uh, of Walter Mitty, who's played by Ben Stiller, and how he goes from this guy who's trapped in daydreams. He's trapped in this, this job, in this small place, and, and, he's, and in that entrapment, he finds himself just trying to access these greater realities by his daydreams. And as the movie goes on, he starts moving from daydreaming to adventuring, to living into these moments. And one of the reasons I love this movie is, is the cinematographers and the producers change the coloring of the film from grays to a more vibrant color by the end of the movie. It's subtle. But by the end of the movie, you're seeing a vibrancy of someone who's not just trying to access this world that doesn't exist, but is living into a world that was already available for him. I just think that's hard call. You don't have to somehow create some sort of super spiritual ethereal world you'd love to get to someday. It's been given to you. We just need to set our hearts and set our minds. I, I find it ironic that James Thurber was actually blind who wrote this. Um, at the age of, of seven, there was an accident that lost one of his eyes. He ended up losing a side of the other. And he writes this story that turns into this movie about color, about vibrancy, about life. And I just, that, that just comes to my mind as I think about this. And so on this, on this Valentine's Day, whether this is a day that's exciting for you, maybe a day you're kind of dreading and you're watching a church service to, my encouragement to you is the world will always throw things at, at you to get your attention, to get your heart. Set your heart, set your mind on the risen Christ. Would Christ become your life? Would we not think of it as something far away and ethereal, but something that we can live into right now? If you've never experience the new life of Christ. Um, I would encourage you right now, as you're watching this, just to invite Jesus to become the Lord of your life, that the resurrection wouldn't be a history event you're trying to observe, but it would become your reality because it was already given to you. And so wherever you are right then, just pray, surrender, give your life over uh, to the beautiful redemptive work that Jesus did on the cross. And that's my, um, my prayer and desire for you. For those of you who've done that, set your heart, set your mind on the things of God, on the risen Christ. Don't let the gravitational pull of earth stop the lift that happens when Christ becomes our life. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.